2: Hello and welcome to Sorry Partner, a podcast about bridge and all things interesting to bridge players, brought to you by bridge partners and friends, Catherine Harris and Jocelyn Startz. On today's program, we talk with Hungarian champion Brigitte Fischer about her love of logic and competition and being a trustworthy partner. Plus, she shares her top tip for developing players. But first, let's kibitz.
3: it. Hi, partner. Hi, partner. How are you, Catherine? Just that I'm great. How are you? Oh, I'm fine. So what's been going on?
2: What's been going on? What's been going on is I had a situation when I was playing this week that I would like your, your opinion on. A situation. <laughs> a situation. Okay. Okay. Let me ask you this. Have you ever made a mistake when you were playing a hand or misplayed a hand that is absolutely cold, because I
3: certainly have. About five million bazillion times.
2: Right, right, right. We all have. So let me tell you what happened. And there's a couple of issues here, and maybe I'm getting it all confused. But we were playing a pair online, and they were incredibly slow. Incredibly slow. So much so that I called the director on them, Twice on the first board. It
3: was (laughs) (laughs) That's nothing.
2: Yes. Hmm. So only twice on the first board, two boards around, but when we get to the second board, there's like four minutes left, right? Great, fine. And you're rushed, and you're feeling rushed, and it's yeah. And it sucks. And it sucks. And they are just taking all day, so slow. They end up in a four heart contract. That is cold. And I will confess, I misdefended, which means that if they know what's going on, they're going to make plus one. So, right there, very sad, yes, teary face, I'm crying, fine. Except that on the sixth trick, the hand is over, the time is out, we're on to the next people. Okay? At this point, even though the hand is cold, there is a plausible way for them to go off too they've never stated a line of play the hand is over they are automatically accorded the plus one so I call the director again again and say look you know there's got to be some cost to people playing very slowly they can't be given the benefit of the doubt especially given that we've all marked up those hands five bazillion times right yes Just because it might be obvious to the director, it's still plausible that they might mark up. And especially they could be experts thinking, thinking, but if they're such experts, there's no need for them to have taken that time. So I think there's even an argument to be made that it's possible that they weren't going to play it, even though we can all see that it can make, right? And they never stay. You know, when you claim a hand, you have to state a line of play, right? They never stated a line of play. So they got the, I had this whole back and forth with the director who was trying to tell me it was the same as if people don't announce their conventions. And he was saying, Oh gee, if only I had more powers to punish people. But I thought, no, 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 no. So he, not only did they get the, the contract, they got a plus one, they got a chopboard. board. Now look, I know I misdefended it. I'm not trying
3: to pretend I didn't, but. It's galling. I think so. It is, it is galling. Yeah. I was really annoyed. I'm so sorry <laughs> that that happened to you. That's, sucks. Thank you, Jocelyn. No, I mean, it just is so aggravating. Here's a question. When you call the director on these slow opponents, Mm. like I just, I do this too. Is there a magic way of expressing it? I just say they're too slow. Is that maybe not the right way to, to say it to the director? Well, I don't know. I don't know. But I do think
2: that, you know, the tempo is a part of the game. And I think if, if they're on form already playing really slowly, there's got to be a penalty. It's it's part of the game. I don't know. I don't know if there's a right way. I always thought when you called the director because the opponents were being slow, it's not just that they're annoying, but I thought implicit in that was that you were protecting your rights. I guess that's really what I mean. 100%. Right. And that that's just not what happened here. Yeah.
3: No, and they always tell you call the director right away. Don't try yeah. to get the other people to play faster. Call the director. That's what they're. The for. fact
2: that he was arguing with me—not quite arguing, but he was no, the, the result stands. And you know, if only, if only my hands weren't tied and I could do something more. I say, like, well, you could give them an
3: average. You know, like you could do a right. few things. I just—you don't have to give them a top. You don't have to give them a top. That's right. It does. That seems really outrageous. Yeah. No, I agree. Yeah, well, thank you very much. I was quite cross. I was yeah. quite cross, yes. <laughs> well, I'm very sorry, Catherine. I just want you to agree with me, so thank you very much. <laughs> I do agree, and I think that we can all agree that slow play online is incredibly aggravating. Anywhere, anywhere. Right, well, in the club, you know, we've got our fabulous Club director who'll go around and saying, Hurry up here, hurry up here, you're behind, you're behind. And he's really good at at sort of like making you feel like there's a fire lit under you and you're going to displease him if you take too long.
2: Mm.
3: That's great.
2: Yeah. Well, online, at least I can swear at the computer. Alas, at the club, I have to put on my polite, decent human being face. So, really? (laughs) We
3: have to? I think it's advised. Oh, no one told me about that. (laughs) (laughs) So this is the part where we get real and ask for your support. As you know, the podcast is available for free and it's a labor of love, but it does take a lot of time and effort to put together. Donating is easy. You go to sorrypartner.com. And you'll see a tab along the top, support the show. And that takes you right to our secure Patreon page. Many of you have contributed already, and we are so grateful. But if you haven't, we'd really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Now back to the show.
2: Lots of letters today, Jocelyn, and the first one out of the mailbag also deals with blowing a cold slam. Oy ve. So this is from shocked and embarrassed Alan of Huntsville. Alan's written to us before. Hi, Alan. Hi, Alan. Alan writes, I was playing a casual game online with a pickup partner. We had some good boards and seemed to be clicking as a partnership when the following hand came up. We'd bid up to six hearts where the two combined hands possessed ten trumps, including all five of the top honours, to go with my five great hearts, my partner had five hearts and a five-card spade suit headed by the ace, king, queen, little, little. I had four spades, including the jack, the ace of diamonds three times, and a singleton club to go with my five hearts. Our opponents led a small club. I was declarer. When the dummy came down, I saw the king of clubs and a little one, along with all those beautiful long spades. I immediately got overexcited, thinking this slam is cold. Lose the first trick to the ace of clubs, win the second club trick with the king in dummy, run the trumps, run the spades, and claim. Easy. Huh. From the king X of clubs in dummy, I played the small card, assuming without a second thought that East would win the trick with the ace of clubs. I was so sure of this that I didn't even notice the card they actually played. The queen of clubs. I followed with my singleton club. East continued to the second trick with the ace of clubs. Not having paid attention to the cards played to trick one, I was sure the king of clubs in dummy was good. I played a low diamond from my hand. Oy. And then when I realized what I had done, I was close to being physically ill. There's this strange sense of shock and disbelief, more like agonizing paralysis when you realise that you blew an easily makeable slam through a combination of haste, inattention, overexcitement, and counting your chickens before they're hatched. I was so embarrassed by this faux pas that I immediately left the table. I'm sure there are worse things that can happen to you at bridge, but it's hard to imagine anything more agonising than being the victim of your own self-inflicted wound. Part of what was upsetting me so much was what must have been going through my partner's mind. Awful Oh, feel your pain, Alan. Feel it,
3: feel it, feel it. And unfortunately, I can relate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can all relate. Let's Far be too often. It's just, it's awful.
2: Oh, uh, awful, awful. And when you're playing, well, I don't know, is it better or worse when it's someone you don't know? Like if it's a pickup partner, you want to impress them. But I just like, I feel particularly sick when I let you down. I mean, I'd I'd feel really embarrassed in front of a partner who I'm trying to impress, you know, if it's someone who I think is maybe better than me and they've invited me to play or something, that's awful. But a stranger, I don't know, I think I'd rather do it in front of
3: them than you. It's hard. It's hard to rank and compare the awfulness. It's just all (laughs) awful. When I'm playing with you, it's horrible. When I'm playing (laughs) with somebody who's really good and makes me nervous. It's awful. When I'm playing with someone who I'm supposed to be, you know, the stronger player in the pair, it's awful. It's all awful. All awful. awful.
2: Okay, Ellen, it's all awful. Nothing we can say to you, but thank you for sharing. Maybe you'll feel better knowing that you're amongst friends. (laughs) (laughs) Our next letter is from Gary, and it's on the theme of cheating, which we've been talking about.
3: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
2: Gary says his only experience with what seemed to be an obvious cheat was on BBO. We were playing against a pair that from their screen names appeared to be a married couple. The bidding went one heart by left-hand opponent, two hearts by right-hand opponent, two spades by left-hand opponent and pass by right-hand opponent. Left-hand opponent had misclicked in the first round and had meant to bid one spade. Oh, Yes, but his partner shouldn't know that. So why did she pass (laughs) two spades when she had good heart support? Yeah, no, no. My partner called the director but wasn't able to explain the situation clearly and then we had to move on to the next round. Mm. Then Gary says, for those in the ACBL, you can do what I did, which is file a recorder form. Mm -hmm. This is specifically meant to try to distinguish between someone who, say, hesitated once or twice because they happen to be thinking about dinner and someone who hesitates regularly and dishonestly. If they get a whole bunch of reports from different players about a particular player, then it might be someone who needs to be looked at more closely.
3: Mm -hmm. Good. Good suggestion.
2: Yeah. And on the same theme, John's written to us. John also says that you should file a recorder form. The sponsoring district, and I guess this is in the US, will have someone serving as a recorder. Their job is to investigate player complaints against other players. When you file a form with the directing staff, they pass it on to the recorder who reviews it, and if they feel your complaint is worthy of investigation, we'll move it forward. The procedure has some benefits. It makes the powers that be aware of possible unethical behaviour, but it also makes the possible perpetrator aware that his action has not totally escaped scrutiny if he is indeed a cheat, knowing that there's a record of what he's done, might act as a deterrent.
3: That's really interesting. You know, as a lawyer, I do always think about what about the rights of the defendant and how to guard against possible abuse of these kinds of uh, recourse, how to guard against possible abuse of the system with people potentially recording complaints that are not genuine so i'd love to know how they protect against that but in general it's really good to know about that process
2: definitely i think it, there needs to be a number of complaints and there's got to be some consistency and i my, i guess is they review it pretty thoroughly but yeah, yeah i mean i guess if people are going to be malicious and organized there's well you'd hope you'd hope they'd see through that
3: yeah if it's always from one person yeah. with a history of of lodging spurious claims then yeah it'd be one thing but if it's coming from multiple people of very different backgrounds and geographical locations then yeah
2: yeah you've got to think it would be apparent yeah yeah we've also heard from Hanoi Rondon on the theme of cheating Mm -hmm. Hanoi is from Chile and you'll often see his videos on BBO right Hanoi says there was this player in our club who had great results, but he was a little shady. He was the kind of guy who would look in the eyes of opponents and even his partner while bidding or playing. Ooh, that's very unnerving. The kind who would use hesitations to show or pick up things in the bidding or play. Once he was in a competitive auction at the five level and he didn't want his partner to continue bidding. So he thought for a long time. And when his partner was deciding whether to bid or not, he lost his temper and said, you can't bid, partner. I took too long to pass.
3: (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) It is
2: awesome. It is awesome. You know, Alex from Sydney, one of our uh, listeners wrote in to say that that kind of hesitating, especially when you have a singleton, is called coffee housing.
3: Coffee housing.
2: I'd heard the term coffee housing, but I didn't realize that's when it was applied. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. And then lastly today, we've heard from Steve, one of our Steves. This is Steve from Elizabethtown in in Pennsylvania. Hello, ladies. This happened many years ago at my local club in a limited non-Life Master game. I was playing with my then regular partner against a husband and wife pair who also played together. We were defending the hand and late in the play, Declara revoked. We both realized what had happened, and at the conclusion of the play, we started to call attention to it. However, Declara quickly mixed up his tricks, claimed his result, and put his cards back in the board. While we should have called the director, partner and I just looked at each other and filed that away in our mental database. A few weeks later, I was playing with the same partner in a local regional pairs game, and we came up against this same pair. On the last board of the round, I was declarer in a normal four-spade contract with what looked like a pretty easy 11 tricks. I was off two aces and based on the bidding and early play, I was fairly confident that the aces were divided between the two opponents and who had which one. Early in the play, I led through the husband and he ducked. I gave up one trick to the wife and after winning her return, I was able to claim 12 tricks. As we were putting away the cards, I asked in my best innocent voice, oh, by the way, who had the ace of diamonds? The wife, realizing her husband had gone to sleep with the ace, grabbed her husband's hand and the recriminations began. (laughs) After we moved to the next table, we could hear them continuing well into the next round. While revenge may be a dish best served cold, having someone else serve it for you makes it even spicier. My partner bought the first round after the session. Wonderful partner. That's great. Wonderful partner. Very satisfying. Nice work there.
3: (laughs) (laughs) It is really satisfying. (laughs)
2: Thanks, Stephen. That's terrific.
3: That's really great. If you have any fun stories about slow players driving you nuts or cheating or coffee housing or revenge, please send them to us at sorrypartnerpodcast at gmail.com or at sorrypartnerpodcast on Instagram or send us a voice message. These links are in the show notes and on the website at sorrypartner.com along with some other good stuff.
2: Coming up next, our interview with Brigitte Fischer. And note, this episode comes with bonus
3: audio for our Patreon supporters. Hungarian champion Brigitte Fischer is an architect by day, a Nintendo Switch gamer by night, and a world-class bridge player. She came first in the women's team's at the 2022 World Bridge Series, second in the under 26 women's at the 2019 European Youth Teams, fifth in the under 26 women's at the 2018 World Youth Teams, fifth in the under 26 women's at the 2014 World Youth Team Championships, and fifth in the youngsters' teams at the 2010 World Series Championships. She was also a runner-up at the 2013 White House Juniors International. We began by asking about her earliest memory of the game. I started to play bridge when I was 14. There was
1: an extracurriculum at our school. So basically, my friends started to play, and they said, it's so cool, you have to join us. Otherwise, we don't have time for you in the afternoon. So. I had to say yes. And then our coach, who was also our coach for the junior team, he said like, oh God, Ricky, you have a talent for this. But so that we can bring you to the next Europeans, you have to at least participate in one tournament. (laughs) I was like, okay, I think I can manage that. But we have that tight uh, friendship with those five other people who started together so it's it's really wonderful how the game just keep people together for already 14 years now
2: oh wow so I'm I'm very interested that your friends thought bridge was cool
1: okay I was always a nerd so maybe my friends were also nerd <laughs> uh, but yeah the high school where, where I went to I, that was the Best school in in Hungary. So there were pretty much only smart people there. So, you know, in that environment, Bridge is cool. (laughs) (laughs) So your teacher was able to identify
2: straight away that you had a gift for Bridge. Do you have a sense of what that gift was? Do you know what he was able to recognize when you showed up to that lesson?
1: I love to compete. I love the challenges. I just have to be the smartest in the room. So the first rule that I heard when I was there, like, if they play the ace of trumps, you should not play the king of trumps. So I was like, okay, that makes sense. And you know, it's all about logic. And, and I love the, those little, I don't know how to say, I, I like to be a detective. You know, there is a cue there, there is a cue over there. So let's put together a puzzle. And in the end, it makes
3: sense. and And it's such a great feeling when it makes sense in the end. Was it the very first time that you attended this extracurricular bridge lesson that the teacher saw your potential? Or did it take a few weeks? It was rather a few weeks. So... Uh,
1: first I started later than the others so I had to catch up a little but it was a really fast process let's say and really I was I was always curious I think that's the thing that drives me that I I was curious how to get better how how you can explain things like why well, you take a finesse why don't you just cash cards from the top and That's what I think that drove me, that there are so many questions in this game that has to be answered board by board. That is so fascinating. Do you think that that's what distinguished you from the
2: other students, that they were learning to play the game, but you were asking questions, you were seeing the nuance in the game very quickly?
1: Maybe I I had an edge with this, uh, you know, I want to know everything. I I want to know in the beginning. I want to climb faster than the others. Yeah,
3: probably. For you, playing bridge at your high school, did you immediately love the game as well as demonstrate that you were interested in understanding it through your questioning and, and figuring out the logic of the game?
1: It's always tough at first when, now that I sometimes teach, Small kids to play bridge. It always feels like there is another rule. So, in the beginning, when you try, you start to understand like how the play goes, then they add how there is bidding. Okay. Oh my God. There is bidding. Okay. So now I know there is bidding. Oh, we have to communicate with my partner. Oh God. That's another language we have to study. Okay. So. There is bidding. There is the play. Okay, when you play, maybe there is trump. Maybe there isn't. It always felt like, oh, we we forgot to mention there is another rule. <laughs> so it was kind of hard in the beginning, but I really liked it. I I really liked it from the very first time.
3: Are you still in touch with the friends that you were in the the bridge extracurricular? Yes, we are still really
1: close to each other, most of them still playing bridge with most of them. We were juniors together for more than ten years, so it's a really tight community. Also, we live together in Budapest, every each of them so so it also helps. so they're playing at a competitive level as well. Yes, yes, they do and do you
2: have a favorite tournament that you like to play?
1: I would say my favorite tournament is uh, the Pula Bridge Festival held in Croatia every September. It's such a great opportunity to meet people, to play in a very good field. Also, you can bring your family because the tournament's only in the afternoon, so you can schedule like trips with them. Or just hang out with them. Also, if you like to party, you can party in the evening, sleep in, in the morning. And it's a very tough field. So it works it bridge wise as well. I really love it.
2: And what would your day look like on either side of when you're playing bridge? So, what do you do in the morning before you start playing? And then what would you do after? I understand there's all sorts of options, but what would your preferred day look like?
1: Okay. <laughs> I really like doing some other sports, like I'm all for running. I love yoga. When I can do with my friends, we play squash. So I was always looking for the active side as well. But in the evening, I'm more of a let's stay in and and relax and uh, let's get ready for the upcoming day. So I would say I would get the boards out of my system and maybe have a glass of beer or, and then just get my good, good night's sleep. So.
0: Pack your bags with high quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with quince go to quince slash pack for free shipping and three hundred and sixty five day returns
3: at the end of the tournament, how do you like to unwind
1: usually after the tournament i I really don't like to think about breach i i just I just had enough i I was focusing completely. On those days when I have to give my 100% bridge-wise, and then I just like to have a stop sign and, okay, let's get back to my real life. I'm an architect, so I have a pretty demanding job. I have to really focus on that. So do you find you can bounce back to your
2: real life, your job and everything Mm -hmm. fairly quickly, or do you need to take a few days? Or do you not have the luxury of taking a few days?
1: No, I don't have the luxury to take some holidays off. But I kind of feel like even though I have to think for 10 hours a day at a bridge event, it feels like a vacation to me. It uh, switches my mind to a completely different mode. And I loved how it makes me tired in the end of the day. But it's so different from the days that I was working my ass off as an architect and just going home and like, oh my God, I don't even know how to breathe anymore. So, <laughs> so it's a completely different type of tiredness, but, but a good one. I really love it.
2: Kind of like you've earned it as opposed to being weary, I guess, at the end of a day. You've like, you've fought hard, you've used all your energy.
1: Yes. Yeah thinking
2: about one of your regular partners, what would you say they like most about playing with you?
1: Let's say that uh, I'm kind of trustworthy. I think that's one of my very good quality that if I beat something or if I signal for something, I, I really do mean them. So I don't preempt on a 10 6 or something because I don't want my partner to lead from King Doubleton for example but also when I when I want to help him and I sing like encouraging in clubs then I really do have something in clubs I try to help my partner so I would say that I'm really trustworthy I really try to be there and help my partner to make the best decision and just try to be stable, like nothing
3: hunky-funky. Funky. What might one of your regular partners or one of the people that you've known for years and years and played with in Budapest and elsewhere for years and years, what might they say is a weaker area of your game? I'm really not good at
1: keeping my mouth shut. That's really one of my my weaknesses. Sometimes, especially when I was young, I always played with the with the better players. So I was always there to learn and study. And there was a time when, when this role changed. I, I got to be the, the better player and I was playing with the weaker ones or basically the same level. And then there, there are some times when I just don't understand what you don't understand. And, and I just, I try to work really hard, you know, keep it for myself. We can, we are going to talk through that one after the tournament when it's a benefit for both of us that you know how to improve and I know how to teach you, but I have a really hard time to keep my mouth shut. That's, that's one of my weaknesses.
2: Is it just about keeping your mouth shut or is it also about keeping your face shut? Are you able to...
1: Also, that? I can roll my eyes. I'm good at that.
3: <laughs> I'm quite good at that too, but I don't deserve to be. That's the difference. <laughs> yeah, I have problems of this ilk as well. <laughs>
1: it's good that we're always playing with screens so, so it hides half of my face. <laughs> <laughs> so aside from that... If there was one thing you could change about your game, what would it be? I tend to be a really fast player. I really do. Like, I need 10 seconds to think through and, like, see the key of the board and, like, go for it. And, uh, you know, cards after cards, basically the board changes. So you have to adapt to those changes. And sometimes just because I'm playing too fast, I'm not adapting enough, or I don't think through there is another possibility, given the facts that I realize during the board. So sometimes I'm so angry with myself that if I had taken 10 more seconds during the board, just think through what they signaled, what I know by now, then I sh- I would have solved the board. And that that can be so frustrating. Are you working to change that? I try to make my game slower, but I'm not so good at it. I try to focus and like pay attention that like saying to myself, okay, a slower, you're not in rush. You can take your time. It's fine. You know, the lunch is going to be there even 15 minutes later. So I try my best, but uh, it comes naturally unluckily that that I play fast. So,
2: Do you draw on any particular mental tools to focus during the game or to
1: remind yourself of anything else during a tournament? Uh, I tend to be really nervous during the tournaments. It's like I cannot sleep, I always imagine the worst case scenarios even at the table even not at the table so I saw a wonderful TED video called fake it till you make it and probably that's my motto ever since Uh, it's about body language and it says that maybe not only your mind affects your body but body can affect your mind so when I was playing in the verse. This summer and we were playing in the finals before the first round that I played. I went to the bathroom and I was standing there with my arms up for two minutes. And okay, I can do it. I'm capable of doing it. And it really affects the way you think that, yes, we have a chance to do this. So I really love that video and I always watch it before these big events and remind myself you just cannot sit there like really closing your body and like saying to your opponents, like, I'm afraid of you. They should be afraid of me, so. So look out.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We'll post that link on our Instagram
3: and in the show
1: notes. Okay, thank you.
3: What makes you nervous in particular?
1: Uh, what makes me nervous most of the time, I, I'm going to forget the system. Even though I'm a nerd and I always go through all the notes, I'm just so afraid of forgetting the system, like having a blackout, because I know I know the notes. But uh, I remember once I was just sitting there, the bidding was one love. From my partner, they doubled and I played so many partners that I didn't have any clue that now we played transfers or not and just like have had a complete blackout. And when you play at the high, highest level, you just can't afford to have a system mistake. It's like that's the minimum that you you have to do. So I am I'm always nervous that I'm gonna just like have a a frozen brain and for a second it's a,
3: it would be a nightmare. Do you have a system for tracking the specific things that you do with each partner so that you can go from one system to another very easily? I
1: work as a project manager so basically I have a table for everything. So yeah, I I usually keep the keynotes with every partner for myself so I know what are the details that I have to go through before each tournament. So yeah, I like to keep things organized. Do you like to play complicated systems? Uh, To be honest, I'm not good with systems. I mean, I can't study every system but to come up with a system to give a reason why we should play this system I always keep it to my partner we play whatever he or she is comfortable with I don't mind I can get along I'm gonna study I is fine with me but all I want from my partner that he or she should be comfortable at the table she shouldn't or he shouldn't make an effort to remember because it takes more energy from from them than from me. So I always try to be flexible. Whatever pleases them, I play that. But I don't have. I, I'm not for complicated systems. I I think with an all natural system, you can be as good as as with the other one. So,
2: do you mean when you're playing with a client, or do you mean when you're playing with a competitive partner in a tournament that you always let them? choose the system?
1: With everybody. I, I always let them. It's it's fine with me. I can study anything, but I don't like to make any suggestions. I'm not an expert of the system. So I don't know if, if a gadget has that many advantages that we should switch to that one. It's fine with me. I'm going to study whatever my partner suggests. And the most important thing is to be on the same page. So you always think the same about the bidding, it's it's fine with me.
3: In terms of defense and playing with a bunch of different partners, do you also play a whole slew of different defensive agreements? Yes.
1: Uh, When I start a new partnership, it's always, I don't really care about the conventions. We can discuss it later. It comes up or doesn't come up, but something is going to come up. That's the defense part. So I always try to start and focus on the defense, like how we are gonna lead during defense. What are our signals? These are the most two most important questions for me. For example, now I was in in vroslav in the Verpre Series. I was playing with Ola Rindstedt. he's a Swedish champion. He has won it all, and uh, he's. All for suit preference. I've never played suit preference before in my life. It's like, I I don't even know what suit preference. So (laughs) he had to give me a 30 minute speech, like what's suit preference. So it was really unusual for me. I had to really focus how to give the signals, how to not ruin it. But after a while, I realized it doesn't really matter. We just really have to be on the same page.
2: Does it help your game sometimes to throw in something new or unexpected that you have to focus on? Is it a little bit of like grit under the shell that keeps you sharp, like the soup preference signal?
1: Yeah, I think it's it's really nice to shake things up a little. That's why I always like to play new partnerships, for example, because uh when you play with a new partner you just up your game you just want to show your very best you want to impress the other so I I really like that we fight even harder just because we just so so doesn't want to give the wrong impression so yeah I I I, that's what I loved playing with Sandra for example we didn't have much time to practice it was a very last minute team choice and we, ju- we were just so focused during the whole tournament, like, do you like it? Is it okay? Was it good for you? It was fine for me. We we really gave each other like feedbacks, like, yeah, it was great.
2: <laughs> and that's Sandra Rumstead.
1: Yes, yes, Sandra Rumstead. I was playing in the Worlds, World Championships with her in the women's field. So it was a great experience.
3: Brigitte, what is the funniest thing that's ever happened when you were playing bridge
1: i really tried to make always a great atmosphere at the table so it's really hard to pick one but uh, there was one time it was like my biggest blackout i think i ever had in my life i was 16 and i was playing uh, a european pairs championship for under 21 and All the rounds started really good for us. I was sharp, I was focusing, we were doing great stuff and by the end of the round, I just got tired, I didn't have much experience, so I just uh, lost focus and we always ended up in the middle, basically. So the very last board of the qualification round, uh, when I was already completely sleeping at the table, there was a pretty simple auction like my left opponent opened the club my partner bid one no trump they doubled us so I bid two diamonds transfer to my heart suit but they all passed so I was I was like a bit shaken like oh god what happened okay maybe my partner knows better he has maybe a five or six card suit I don't know but so from the other guy's point of view, the whole board was completely different. They opened one club strong. They alerted it, but I was so focused and so busy with sleeping, I did not realize. <laughs> no. So my partner overcalled one note trump, which is either clubs and hearts or diamonds and spades. Uh, they doubled, which was came forcing for them. Apparently, I chose diamonds, of course, and even though they were in-game forcing, they passed out the board. So, okay, this
3: board got us in the final, so thank you. (laughs) That's funny. That's (laughs) very funny. How many diamonds did you have between you and your partner? It didn't even matter because they missed their game and... There is a game, but I think we had eight card suits. So
1: it was, I think I, I made the contract, but it didn't really matter. Hilarious.
3: What's the most memorable or unusual place where you've played Bridge? Oh, it's a tricky one. Maybe
1: it's not a place, but the way we played it, that was like so unusual. We were on our way to Paris to play a tournament. And we spent a lot of time on airplane and then on a train. And it's so uncomfortable that you don't have a table to play at. So we figured a solution. Each of us got certain cards. We had one minute to memorize the cards. And then we played orally without peeking at our cards. So it was a really good practice how to remember your cards also we had a special rule like calling bullshit when somebody plays our card so when they said play the 7 of hearts and i know i had the 7 of hearts then i could call bullshit and then we subtract like 10 points each of the mistakes so it was a really nice and
3: funny way to play that's hilarious have you done that at other time
1: no it's so st- so tiring. It's 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 amazing how oh God, all the spot cards Uh It's not my game. I was not good at that.
2: When you think about your bridge development, have there been any books that have been particularly influential or are there any books that you continue
1: to recommend, for example, to your students or clients? Uh, when it comes to bridge books, I always prefer the ones with the great story rather than about the techniques themselves. So my ultimate favorites are Zia's Bridge My Way and Sabina Oaken's I Love This Game. These are my very favorite. These stories are so touching. They are so funny. It's if you just want to relax and have a good time, I just recommend to read it. it. You're gonna laugh your ass off. You're gonna cry with Sabina. It's It's amazing. But when I prepare for a bigger event, when I just want to, you know, like cover my grounds, I always go through the Rodwell files. It covers everything. I really love it. I I always just go through it and make sure that I remember the names. What do you mean by saying that you remember the names? Uh, Eric Rodwell in his book always comes up with a special name for each technique. That helps you remember when it comes up. So maybe you don't remember exactly what was the situation, but you just remember the name. Like there is a technique called 6332, which is not a good uh, distribution, but it kind of gives away the technique itself. So it's a, pre- it's a pretty good way to remember.
3: Understanding that you play with lots of different partners and you play lots of different systems, is there one convention or gadget that you really actually love and you're very happy when one of your partners wants to play it?
1: Recently, I I fell in love with Godzilla. So when it is after one major, one no trump, and also after one heart, one spade, and it just allows you and your partner to stop on a lower level even though you have a great hand and it also allows you to find the right suit in a lower level except for jumping too high and going down a gazillion times so I really enjoy when somebody suggests to play Godzilla because it gives so much flexibility you can stay low even with a great hand but you realize pretty early that that you have a misfit So I would say that that's something I really like now. It's gazilli.
3: We're big fans. Catherine introduced me to it. And I've now been trying to teach people here. It's not very common. I was playing it with a partner not very long ago. And somebody said, I have never seen anyone use that at a club game before. (laughs) (laughs) So that was funny. We're big fans. Yeah, I love it. I think it's amazing. And on the flip side, are there any conventions or gadgets that when one of your partners says, I'd like to do this, you go, your heart sinks and you think, oh, I really hate that one. (laughs)
1: Let's say I really don't like Namyat. So I love it when my opponents play it, actually. I really love that because then I can double, I can beat something under the four major so I can make some lead directing thing. But when I have to play it, that's that's a big no for me. If I want to show a strong four major, I just beat one and then beat four. It's I don't feel the rush to do it immediately.
2: What's the best bridge tip or advice that you've ever been given?
1: Uh, my regular partner in Hungary... We play for eight years now. He gave me this one and I carry it with me ever since. It's it's a really good one. It was already in the evening. I was tired. We were playing a team match and I was, I was the declarer in a three-note round where they catch the first five tricks. So I completely lost the interest like, okay, just let's get through with this one. And uh, I had a five-three suit that I had to play really carefully to not lose a trick so obviously I did lose the trick and I went two down so my partner just like putting the suit on the table and uh, explaining me what was the correct suit combination and he said like you know what's the most fascinating thing about this one it does not only work with clubs but also with diamond hearts and spades <laughs> so ever since then, before the big tournament i just go through the most common suit combinations. so this story does not come to my mind anymore
3: <laughs> brigita thanks very much for joining us today it's been great talking to you thank you so much for coming brigita we loved having you
1: Thank you for having me. It was such a pleasure talking to you.
3: And that's the show. Many thanks to our guest, Brigitte Fisher. Thank you also to our sorry partner posse of listener supporters who make the show possible.
2: Sorry Partner is produced by Katherine Harris with production assistance from Paul Chirasso and Jade Gray. Our theme
3: music was composed by Jocelyn Start and produced by Daniel Graboy. Send your bridge stories and comments to Sorry Partner Podcast at gmail.com or at Sorry Partner Podcast on Instagram or send us a voice message. And please consider supporting the show. You'll get a monthly newsletter, bonus audio from time to time and other supporter benefits. These links and a link to our discount offers and merch store are under the episode description in your app, on the website at sorrypartner.com, or wherever you like to listen. We'd love to hear from you, but be nice, or we'll call the director. Until next week, play well. May all your finesses
2: be on site. And remember, as Brigitte says... Always review the most common suit combinations before a big tournament. Thank you, partner. Thank
3: you, partner. (laughs) Bye. Bye.
0: (laughs) Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen.